Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is September 9th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots, and a little bit of a disclaimer beforehand, because I know I have some new listeners here. In this preview, I go over both teams, so don't think it's going to be completely just about the Miami Dolphins, because I feel like in order to get an accurate representation or get a good preview of this game, we have to take a look at the opposition. So there will be quite a bit of, in this week's case, the Patriots talked about in this episode, and then another little minor disclaimer. Disclaimer, if I say something on this podcast where I say a uh, blank team was top five in rushing or, you know, the Buffalo Bills had a good passing attack, that doesn't mean I don't think the Dolphins are good. That doesn't mean I'm not a Dolphin fan or I'm hopping off any sort of bandwagon. It just comes with reporting certain statistics. Some teams do some things good. Some teams do some things bad. That's all going to be talked about in today's episode. So the NFL regular season is now back. And with that, we have the return of Miami Dolphins football. The Dolphins will be facing off. Off against the New England Patriots to open the season. This game will be at 3.25 p.m. Central or 4.25 if you're on the East Coast, and this game will be in Foxborough, Massachusetts. So before we begin to look at this one matchup, it's important that we reflect back to last season and discuss what has changed since then and some things that haven't changed. The Dolphins were much improved in 2020, finishing 10-6 after the 5-11 season back in 2019 that had many people accusing them of already tanking for Tua. The Dolphins' strength was clearly with the defense, which led the NFL in turnovers with 29. The team did lose a few of their key starters on that defense, including linebacker Kyle Van Noy, who led the team in tackles for a loss. They also lost safety Bobby McCain and defensive end Shaq Lawson. Offensively, though, the team did all right, but it would be tough to say that they were phenomenal by any means. They had a few good games and they had a few bad games, but for the most part, they were okay. Tua Tungvaluwa took over for the team coming in for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Many people by the end of the season would go as far to say that he's already a bust, but I think that's completely far-fetched. That's not the case at all. It's important to remember his receivers consisted of guys like Mac Hollins, Jakeem Grant, Lynn Bowden Jr., all of them having larger roles than many people would agree they should have. Like the offense as a whole, though, Tua had good games like the one against Arizona, and then he had bad games such as the one against the Buffalo Bills, but overall, he was okay and for a rookie, that is just fine. So we'll begin here by taking a look at the Dolphins. The Dolphins went 1-1 versus New England last season. They lost their season opener, unable to stop Cam Newton, who was running all over the team. And then when they faced the Patriots that second time around in December, they beat them by a score of 22-12. to And frankly, they should have won that game by more. It was a close game where we saw a fumble recovery for a touchdown by Xavier Howard get called back after Christian Wilkins touched the ball out of bounds. We also saw a questionable throw by Tua that was intercepted in the end zone by J.C. Jackson, and we saw an uncharacteristic missed field goal from Jason Sanders, and then lastly, we saw an incredible fake punt that ended up getting called back by a penalty. So again, there were opportunities in that game to rack up the points. They successfully adjusted to Cam Newton. They were able to apply a ton of pressure. They broke off some big plays offensively with the running game. They frankly just outplayed New England in that game. 
but I just think they should have won that one by more. So if we take a look at the offensive side here for the Dolphins, it will be again led by Tua Tungavailoa. Last year, Tua threw for 1,814 yards. He had 11 touchdowns and he had five interceptions last season. And that was, again, despite having a depleted group of receivers. Now, there's one stat in particular that shows how inefficient his receivers were at getting open. And it was one that I found and ended up getting credited in the Miami Herald. So that was a huge moment for me last year. I was extremely hype about that. But per NFL's Next Gen stats, Tua had the third highest aggressiveness in the NFL among starting quarterbacks with 20.3% of his passes going to a wide receiver who had a defender within one yard of him. Ryan Fitzpatrick had an even higher aggressiveness with 21.7% of his passes going to tightly covered receivers. So again, you have both Dolphin quarterbacks in the 20%. For some reference here, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes each had just over 11% of their passes into tight windows. This details just how little separation the Dolphins receivers were able to create last year, as both Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki were in the bottom three of separation in the entire NFL. Now, another useful stat here about Tua is his time to throw, which was in the bottom quarter of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. His time to throw was 2.55 seconds, which shows that he at times either didn't have time to throw or just elected himself to get rid of the ball quickly. So overall, there were flashes of Tua taking over games, such as that one against Arizona, but for the large part, his role seemed to be more as a game manager. Now, as for this year, in the second preseason game, Tua looked as confident and as composed as he's ever looked. So it really is possible that a second year leap is on the horizon for Tua. Now, as we transition here to the running game for Miami, it's presumed that it will be led by Miles Gaskin, with some of the touches going to the newly acquired Malcolm Brown from the Rams, and those will likely be in the red zone. And then you'll have Savan Ahmed providing depth or being worked in as a receiving back. Now, Miles Gaskin is primed to have a breakout season, if you're asking me. His 97.2 yards from scrimmage per game last year was among the top 10 in terms of all running backs in the NFL. Both coaches and beat writers have been raving about how improved Gaskin looks both physically and mentally. And then with having Malcolm Brown, who kind of provides a different skill set as more of a powerful type of running back, I think that will be an interesting little duo. I still very much like Savan Ahmed, but one of his weaknesses seems to be at, in terms of pass blocking. So I do think that kind of hurts him in terms of how much they trust him and how much volume he'll end up getting. Now, as for the receivers here for Miami, they will be trotting out a somewhat revamped receiver group, some of them being new additions and some of them being returns from injuries or decisions to opt out of the season. The receiver group right now currently consists of Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, rookie Jalen Waddle, Preston Williams, Mac Hollins, and Jakeem Grant. Will Fuller will miss this first game again with a suspension. Now, we'll start with Devontae Parker. He had a down year of sorts last year, recording 793 yards receiving in 14 games, but it was still enough to lead the Dolphins in targets and in yards. It was, however, though, a significant drop-off after what was an impressive 2019 season where he had 1,202 yards and nine touchdowns. Now, the offense's limited, sometimes restrictive approach while Tua was the quarterback seems to be the main reason for this and not necessarily anything that happened on Parker's end. Now, receiver Albert Wilson had a terrific training camp as there's already been several videos of him making big 
big plays that were posted by the Dolphins social media team. Something that I referenced pretty frequently was that Wilson was on pace for a breakout season back in 2018 before suffering an injury and his 2019 campaign was solid but really nothing to write home about. After a year away from football after opting out of the 2020 season, Wilson should be both healthy and prepared for a significant role. As mentioned earlier, much of Tua's game revolved around the short routes and getting the ball out quickly, which could lead to Wilson taking on a bigger role than a lot of people are expecting. Now, rookie wide receiver here, Jalen Waddle, presents a much-needed speed element to this Dolphins team. The Dolphins' longest reception in that win against the Patriots last year was only 15 yards, and in all, the Dolphins ranked 30th in the entire NFL in receptions of 40-plus yards, only recording four on the entire season. In 2020, while attending Alabama, Waddle recorded a massive 20.1 yards per catch. With Fuller missing this game, the door should be open for Waddle to make a big splash in this regular season debut. Now, the Dolphins did in fact feature Jalen Waddle pretty heavily in that preseason game against Atlanta. In the first quarter alone, he recorded three catches for 21 yards before leaving the game with an injury, but he seems to be fine. Tight end Mike Gesicki is another candidate for a breakout season. His 46.9 yards per game was sixth among all tight ends, and it has increased every single season since his rookie year. In his two preseason games this season, Gesicki recorded a catch of 50 yards in the first one, and then a catch of 30 yards in the second one. So it seems like he is primed for a breakout year. The offensive line here for the Dolphins may be the biggest question mark in this game in particular. The offensive line was average last year, struggling in some games and looking decent in other games. In the preseason, the offensive line, though, really struggled and seemed to regress, unable to really create room for the running game and not really providing adequate protection for Tua. Now, tackle Austin Jackson struggled during the preseason, but he was recently placed on the COVID-19 reserve list as well as tight end Adam Shaheen. So it appears that the recently acquired Greg Little will fill in here, but rookie Liam Eichenberg could also fill this spot potentially. In that scenario, Jesse Davis could potentially move over to the left tackle position, or they could elect to keep him there at right tackle, protecting Tua's blindside. So we'll move on here to the Dolphins' defensive side of the ball here. And as mentioned previously, the Dolphins led the NFL in turnovers with 29. They allowed the fifth fewest points per game. They had the second highest blitz rate in all of the NFL, blitzing on 40% of dropbacks. Now, however, the Dolphins gave up the most passes of 40 plus yards with 12. They allowed the highest yards per catch in the entire NFL, showing that while they benefited off of having that high blitz percentage and having that high turnover rate, when they ended up getting burned, it was pretty bad. So the Dolphins' strength, again, was clearly the defense. And among the defensive players here, the one to look at is cornerback Xavier Howard, who really did stand out defensive player of the year candidate and had a league leading 10 interceptions. He also led the NFL in pass deflections with 20. Another guy here is defensive end Emmanuel Ogba, who was also electric. He recorded nine sacks on the season, and of those, eight sacks came in the first nine games. Now, with the departures of Shaq Lawson and Kyle Van Noy, players like Andrew Van Ginkle and Alandon Roberts will now have elevated roles with this team, with the majority of the Dolphins' defense consisting of the same core players, a lot could hinge on this unproven group of linebackers meeting some pretty big expectations that they have in front of them. Now, the last Dolphins depth chart here featured Justin Coleman as the team's 
team's primary nickelback. Coleman has been playing well in training camp, and he appears to overtake in Nick Needham in this spot, but this isn't to say that Needham has played poorly. Needham has also been progressing, but reports say that he's been practicing as an outside cornerback as well. So with Needham playing well, it would be interesting to see here how the team elects to incorporate him for this game. Now, the Dolphins secondary, again, in general, should have the upper hand. They have two elite quarterbacks on the outside set to cover Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers. Both Myers and Aguilar are far from being elite in any category, but it's important to note that each of those guys had over 100 yards last time they played against Miami. And of course, at that time, Aguilar was with the Raiders having a big game, uh, 150 plus yards against the Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins also boast a respectable defensive line consisting of Emmanuel Ogba, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Jalen Phillips, Adam Butler, and John Jenkins. Ogba led the team in sacks with nine and also had three forced fumbles. Sealer recorded 11 and a half tackles for a loss. They will be tasked here with breaking through a tough Patriots offensive line that Pro Football Focus currently has ranked as the third best offensive line in the NFL. So with that, we will transition and take a look at the opposition here. In this case, it is going to be the New England Patriots. We'll begin with the offensive side of the ball here for the Patriots. The Patriots will be trotting out with rookie Mac Jones as their quarterback. New England made the surprising decision here to release Cam Newton, leaving Jones as the only healthy quarterback on their roster at the time. Now, generally speaking, rookies in their debut don't have the highest of expectations. Jones going up against a defense like the Dolphins, who were known for their disguised blitzes and causing a high level of confusion, seems like an obvious advantage here would lie with the Dolphins. Jones struggled to produce in his first two preseason games, throwing for only 233 yards on 38 attempts, which have put him in the bottom quarter of quarterbacks last year. However, in the last preseason game against the New York Giants, Jones had a terrific outing going 10 for 14 with a touchdown. So Jones is a pretty interesting prospect because he does a lot of things okay, but he really doesn't jump off the page as an incredible prospect. He's not the most athletic. His arm strength also isn't great. Skip Bayless went as far as to say that Mac Jones' arm strength makes Tom Brady look like Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, that of course is an exaggeration, but there is some truth there. And, you know, some people would say that Jones was a product of having elite wide receiver talent while at Alabama, but I will elect to not go that route again for obvious reasons. The passing game was a massive weak point for the Patriots, though, last year. They finished 30th in passing yards and 32nd in passing touchdowns. Much like the Dolphins last season, the Patriots were not able to connect on big passing plays, finishing last in the NFL with only three plays of 40-plus yards. It was the running game here for New England that was their best option for success, especially against Miami. In their first matchup, Cam Newton rushed for 75 yards and had two rushing touchdowns, and in that second match, up, Sony Michelle rushed for 74 yards on only 10 carries. And in those games, the Patriots were without their now starting running back Damian Harris, who has the potential to have a breakout season. Harris finished last year with 691 yards rushing in only 10 games, and he had three games with over 100 yards. Harris is a powerful north and south runner. He runs angry and doesn't shy away from contact. He fights for extra yards and always finds a way to fall forward. It's easy to see why many fantasy analysts expect him to have a breakout season, and the Dolphins will have to do a good job at getting him on the ground. New England will also likely sprinkle in bits of rookie Ramondre Stevenson, who had one of the better preseasons in 
in recent memory. He racked up a combined 219 yards and three touchdowns in those three preseason games. Now, in 2020, the Patriots had to rely on the running game. They finished third in the NFL in rushing attempts, and with that being said, they were also in the top quarter of yards per attempt, rushing touchdowns, and finished fourth in the NFL in rushing yards. Now, as for the receiver group here for the Patriots, they acquired Nelson Aguilar during the offseason, and after a respectable bounce back year with the Las Vegas Raiders, where he recorded 896 yards and eight touchdowns, it's fair to say that Nelson Aguilar is much improved from, from those days back in Philadelphia. Many people may remember him from the exciting game against the Dolphins last season, and again, he finished that game with 155 yards receiving and a massive 85 yard touchdown catch. Receiver Jacoby Myers led the Patriots in receiving last year. He had 729 yards in 14 games. The former quarterback had a massive performance in their loss against Miami, where he recorded 111 yards on seven catches. The Patriots offensive line at worst is solid across the board. Again, pro football focus went as far as to rank them the third best offensive line entering this season, adding that they may be the quote best offensive line in the league by the end of the season, close quote. So we move on here to the defensive side of the ball here for the Patriots. The Patriots defense is still a strong point of the team as it has been for several years. They were tied for the NFL lead in interception with the Dolphins with 18 on the season. The Patriots defense will, however, be without star cornerback Stephon Gilmore, who is out until at least week seven with an injury. Even with Gilmore out, the Patriots will still have an elite talent at the cornerback position in J.C. Jackson. Jackson was second in the NFL in interceptions last year, trailing none other than Dolphins Xavier Howard with nine. Jackson will still be tested as Gilmore would be the one who typically followed the opposing team's wide receiver one. Jackson did say during the offseason that he is up for that challenge, but not having Gilmore as a crutch could still be a huge factor. Since Gilmore did not play in five games last season, there is a little bit of a window for us to look at what to expect from Jackson with Gilmore out. In four of the five games without Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson surrendered 70 yards or more to the opposing team's wide receivers. Now, with Gilmore being out, that could also open the door for Jalen Mills to have much more of a role. The recently acquired cornerback, who was formerly with the Philadelphia Eagles, is listed as the team's second cornerback. He had a respectable year last year, only allowing 57.6 of passes thrown in his direction get completed. He played a mix of both safety and cornerback, though, last season, so that's something to keep your eye on. The talent that the Patriots possessed there in the secondary allowed for the defense to send a heavy amount of blitzes, leaving their cornerbacks in man-to-man situations, and still having relative success doing that. Last year, the Patriots sent fewer blitzes than in previous years. For reference, they sent blitzes on 37% of plays in 2019, but in 2020, they lowered that number to only 24%, yet they still managed to lead the NFL in quarterback hurries last year. The Patriots' ability to hurry the quarterback pretty consistently allowed for the team to drop 
back in a lot of cover one and a lot of even cover zero on third down opportunities. So that's something to keep your eye on and we'll talk about that a little bit more right now. It's important to note the Patriots front has a chance to be even more improved after adding Matthew Judon, after adding Kyle Van Noy in free agency and having Dante Hightower return to the team after opting out of the 2020 season. Patriots defensive end Chase Winovich led the NFL in hurries last season with 24 and in 2018 while he was in college at Michigan he actually faced Notre Dame and was paired opposite of Liam Eikenberg. Winovich would finish that game one sack in a career high in college three and a half tackles for a loss. He really did have the upper hand in that matchup. So now to get into my expectations for this game the first expectation that I have here is that Damian Harris has at least 80 yards rushing. The Patriots will probably recognize the Dolphins present a stout defensive challenge and they'll try to keep the ball on the ground to prevent their rookie quarterback from making mistakes. If the Dolphins defense had a weakness it was at stopping the run and after losing a few key starters on that defense I'm not necessarily sure if this area for the Dolphins will be improved this upcoming season. So whether it's because he's efficient or whether it's because of a high volume going in his direction I expect to see a solid outing from Damian Harris. My next expectation here is that the offensive line struggles for Miami. The Patriots have some trickery of their own in the ability to find unique ways of applying pressure. With the Dolphins offensive line already struggling, it seems like the Patriots will have some success at disrupting the quarterback. My next expectation here is that Mac Jones has several turnovers. It's a new season, but I don't expect the Dolphins' ability to create turnovers to slow down in this game. This is a daunting task for most quarterbacks, but for a rookie with a below average group of receivers, this may be too difficult of a task for Jones to overcome. I expect him to be hit often and be forced to make quick reads. There's a high chance that Xavier Howard walks out of this game with his first interception of the season. Now, to get into my keys to the victory for Miami, the first one's going to be to stop the run or at least limit the run. If Miami can stop the run, the ball is now in the hands of rookie Mac Jones in his first professional start. That right there is a favorable scenario for any NFL team. If Jones is capable of dicing up the Dolphins secondary, one that consists of two of the highest paid cornerbacks in the NFL, then all props to him and frankly Dolphins Twitter would be in turmoil. Stop the run and force New England to pass the ball. My next key to the victory is don't cost yourself points. Last year we saw Tua make one of his worst decisions of the season, throwing an interception in the end zone. Jason Sanders missed a field goal, was 50 yards so I'll give him that, but points were left on the board. In the preseason game against Chicago, we saw Tua's worst decision come on an interception into double coverage in the end zone. The Dolphins defense should have the advantage on that side of the ball. The offense here just needs to get the points where they can and play smart football. The last key to the victory I have here for the Dolphins is to make plays after the catch. The Patriots have a tough front and getting to the quarterback quickly seems likely. The Dolphins offensive line consists of a lot of young players and expecting them to struggle in this game would not be far-fetched whatsoever. If the Dolphins offense is forced to make these quick reads and to dump the ball 
into the hands of the playmakers. They will likely be in one-on-one -on -one situations with not a lot of help over the top. So if Jalen Waddle, if Albert Wilson, if Miles Gaskin, even Jakeem Grant can turn small catches into huge plays, the Dolphins will be able to force New England to keep players back to help them in coverage. And I think that's enough to get the offense going. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It would help a lot. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and also at via the source. Would appreciate any follows there. Of course, any questions, topics, things you would like for me to discuss in a future episode, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I would gladly discuss it in the next episode. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steve Amasso, and this was Via the Source.